Today's reading is from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, verses 12 to 30. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but not much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and grumbling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything about grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I do not run or labor in vain. But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the law that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I'm all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then, Welcome him in the Lord of great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. This is God's word. Evening, everyone. My name's Scott. I'm the student minister. Let me add my welcome. Let's pray um, as we look at this next bit of Philippians together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we think again about all that Jesus has done for us and the way that he has served us. Father, we're very aware of of the ways in which we fall so far short of that uh, sort of service. And yet we praise you that you, uh, that your work in us is not yet finished and that you are at work to make us more like Jesus in the way that we love and serve one another. Uh, Father, please do that as we look at these uh, verses this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Who do we honor? Um, Who are those people that we hold up and say, let's all be a bit more like them? These these people are great. Let's all just be a little bit more like them and our world would would be a better place. I guess um, one of the the big examples recently has been um, been this guy, Marcus Rashford. Who doesn't love Marcus Rashford? Um, This week, uh, he received his honorary doctorate from the University of Manchester, and the youngest person ever to get that from uh, given that honour from the, the University of Manchester. Um, and w- what did he get it for? Well, he got it not because he's a great footballer, but because of his work um, highlighting uh, child poverty and the extent of, of child poverty in the UK even today. And he is honoured for that. He gets a he gets a doctorate. I don't know what people who have 
um, works, worked for years and years to get their doctorate. Think of someone getting an honorary doctorate. But the point is, it's, it's honorary, isn't it? It's, this person has done something uh, worthy of honor. We acknowledge that, we respect that, and we say, let's all be a little bit more like Marcus Rashford. That's, I guess, on, on a sort of society-wide level, those that we honor. Who do we honor ourselves in our own lives? Who are those that we look to, that we respect, and that we say, well, if only I was a little bit more like them. If only I could become a bit more like that person. There are, there are lots of ways to answer that, aren't there? I, I, let me, let me um, introduce you to two characters to try and um, uh, show us this. Um, let me introduce you to Impressive Angela. Angela is impressive. The clue's in the name. Um, at everything, any area of life that you can name, Angela is like top. Okay, so her career is just going from strength to strength. She seems to get a new promotion every six months. Um, she's, she seems surrounded by, a, by a, a great circle of friends. She's got perfect teeth and great hair. She just sort of wakes up in the morning and goes splash, splash, and she's ready for the day. <laughs> and Angela has influence okay, in her workplace. She's at that level now that, that actually she's able to change the culture and shape the way that things happen. She does a lot of good. Impressive Angela. Let me also introduce you to Ordinary Annie. Ordinary Annie is just ordinary. Um, she's sort of been at the same level in her, in her career for a while, and um, she's not likely to get a step up soon. Nothing particularly impressive when you look at Annie. And yet Annie is able to love people really well, sacrificially well. She's always the first to notice when someone else in her small group is, is feeling down and just needs a bit of encouragement. She's the first person to, to pitch in when a job needs done. Not very impressive. Who do we want, who do we, who do we want to be more like? Impressive Angela, ordinary Annie. I guess all of us would say a little bit of a mix of both. We want, the, we want to be a bit more impressive. We also want to be a bit better at loving people. But if we're given a choice, a stark choice between one or the other, what are we aiming at? Would we rather be more like Angela or more like Annie? We all want to be a bit more impressive sometimes, don't we? And yet God wants me to, us to become a bit more like Christ, better able to, to lovingly serve others. We've been seeing that, haven't we, as we've looked through Philippians 2. Who is it that God honors? Well, it is those who are like Christ. He is the ultimate example of humble service. Verse 6 of, of chapter 2, we're told that Jesus, being in very nature God, did not count equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming, becoming obedient to death, even death, on a cross. Jesus is the ultimate example of that, and he is the one who we are to imitate, to become more like him. And last week we saw 
that as a result of that, we are to shine like stars. And some of us are thinking, great, my chance to shine. I've always considered myself something of a star. Let's go. Philippians 2 gives me merit to say I'm shining like a star. But we saw, didn't we, that it's not about our talent. It's not about what we bring to the table. It's about giving ourselves for the sake of others. Shining like a star is serving in the way that Christ has served us. And then we come to to these verses, uh, 19 to 30. And we wonder, um, as uh, the second half of our reading, we just wonder, is this a bit of a come down? Is this just Paul sorting out a little bit of admin before he gets to another juicy bit in chapter 3? Um, you'll not be surprised to say, uh, I don't think that is what's going on here. What, what is Paul doing? He's grinding uh, the, the principles that he's been outlining in the real lives of people that the Philippian Christians know. They've seen these people in action, Timothy and Epaphroditus. And he's saying, imitate them. Imitate them in the way that they work out their service of others humbly Christ-like, even when it's costly. Imitate them, honor them, because they are like Christ. So we're going to see um, two things as we look at these two characters, Timothy and Epaphroditus, um, two lessons that we can learn. We're to imitate those who serve others, not themselves. And we're to honor those whose service is costly. Those are the two things we see in, in Timothy and Epaphroditus. Firstly then, we're to imitate those who serve others, not themselves. Look down again at verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. What's going on here? Well, Paul um, hopes to send Timothy to the Philippian Christians, partly so that Paul can receive news from them, but mainly because he knows that Timothy will serve the Philippian Christians. The Philippian Christians, they've been suffering. They've been going through a hard time politically. They've been losing their influence because they're followers of Jesus first. They're losing out um, uh, socially. They're sort of being pushed to the edges for being Christians. They're losing out economically. Their businesses are hit because they won't worship at the temples with everyone else. They're suffering And so Paul wants to send Timothy, um, the pastor, the preacher, to care for their needs. And so we get this strange verse, verse 21, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. 21, what Paul's saying there is the pattern for, even for, for Christian leaders is not necessarily service first. Back in, um, in chapter 2, verse 4, 
Paul said that the interests of Jesus Christ, the way that Jesus Christ goes about things, is not looking to his own interests, but to those of others. So the interests of Jesus Christ are are to to give of yourself for the sake of others, not to be self-serving, self-interested, but self-giving. Back in chapter 1, verse 15, Paul said that that some preach Christ from wrong motives. He was rejoicing that, that Christ is preached, but it is possible to do it not to serve others, but to serve your own ends. The point here is Timothy is different. Timothy is not like that pattern. He's not motivated by self-interest, but by the interests of Jesus Christ, that is to serve humbly, to give of himself for the sake of the Philippians. And they know that's true because they know Timothy. They've seen him in action. Paul says, well, Timothy's a great example because he's learned, uh, he's learned how to serve from Paul himself. He says, like a son from a father. Now, in the ancient world, it would have been much more common for a, for a son to learn a trade from his father, be passed down generation to generation. I guess we see that a little bit um, in the world around us still now. Why, why is James Murdoch such a, um, a media mogul? Well, because he learned it from his dad, uh, Rupert Murdoch, for good or for ill. And you want a more positive example? Um, Just think of uh, Disney classic, The Lion King. Um, Don't worry, we're not going to think about that bit. Don't get your tissues out. We're going to think of... um, when, When Mufasa is teaching Simba how to be brave, okay, Simba's gone off on one with Nala to the elephant graveyard. Don't pretend you don't know. Um, <laughs> and, um, uh, and, and Mufasa comes and has a chat with him because that is not what a king should be doing. He says, he says something like this. He says, being brave doesn't mean you go looking for trouble. He teaches his son that, that being a king is about serving. And the point here is, is Timothy has learned from Paul. He's grown up in Christian ministry, learning from Paul what it means to serve others as he leads. Because that's what service is, because it is following after Christ. I don't know how much you've, um, you've been following or have heard um, some of the recent scandals uh, within uh, church leadership as leaders have used their power to um, to abuse and to harm others. In, in most of those cases, those were, there were often people who were honored, who were sort of held up and, and respected, who were very impressive. But in the end, it, it is exposed that they weren't serving others. In the end, they were serving their own interests. That was devastating when you, when you see that, when you hear about that. Um, I don't know if you've been listening to The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. It's, it's kind of niche. Um, but it's, it's about um, Mars Hill was a church. It sounds like a sweet shop, but it wasn't a sweet shop. It was a church in, um, in Seattle in the States led by Mark Driscoll, who for a certain generation of, uh, of Christian leaders was the example to follow. And yet, as you, you listen to that podcast, it sort of unpicks some of the, um, the culture at that church and some of the ways in which power was used to, to harm others. 
And I was, I was left thinking, as, as someone who was of that generation, who looked up to that as an example of, of cutting-edge ministry, left asking the question, if, if the example that I look to, if those that I honor go about things in a way that is totally different to the way that Jesus interacted with others and served and welcomed the vulnerable and looked out for them, if those examples are, are so different is that really an example I want to follow? Is that an example I want to honor and imitate? I guess it's why um, <clears throat> internet church can never be enough. You, know, you can access good sermons from, from all over the world uh, right now, but, but internet church is never enough because you need to be part of a, of a church where actually you know um, the leaders where you see that their service isn't just what they do up the front on a Sunday, but is worked out in their care for individuals, in the way that they make decisions, not that serve them, but serve others. I guess, um, I hope that when you look at the leadership um, here at CCM, you, you see some of the ways in which um, love and service is worked out in the church, much more than what happens up front. And where we, where we see that, where we see good examples of that, we should, we should honor it. And we should imitate it. We should say, I want to love people more like that. Because that, that is a church worth being part of. Because it is a church that is following after Christ and serving in a way that is Christ-like. It's all too easy, isn't it, to, to honor someone at a distance, um, to honor someone behind a, a screen, because you don't see that worked out in the day-to-day. -day. We've spent a bit of time thinking about leadership, um, because Timothy here, uh, our first example, is a leader in the church. He's a preacher, he's a church planter. But, but this sort of principle, it goes way beyond and just those in leadership. That's what we'll see in, in the second point in particular as we look at Epaphroditus. As well as imitating those who serve others, we're to honor those whose service is costly. Verse 25, look down again. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him and not only on him, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Here's our second character, Epaphroditus. Um, not, not part of Paul's um, church planting team, but one of the Philippian Christians. Um, Epaphroditus is, is not a famous church planter. Um, he's not a gifted preacher. Um, in fact, you probably wouldn't see him up the front at any point. Epaphroditus is not a big name. Um, he was sent by the church, by the Philippian church, to care for Paul when they heard that he was in prison. 
but he is no less important uh, just because he's not up the front. Do you see how Paul describes him? My brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier. And there's a closeness of a relationship there, and there's a value that Paul is placing on the service that Epaphroditus offered. So much so that he can describe him as a fellow soldier, someone who stood side by side with him in the work of proclaiming the gospel. And Epaphroditus, having been sent to Paul from the Philippians, got ill. We don't know much more than that, but he got ill to the point where he almost died. And he's recovered um, enough that, that Paul is sending him back to the Philippians um, with this letter, actually, with the original letter um, to Philippi. And the Philippians are told to do two things uh, when he returns to them. They're told, firstly, to welcome him with joy. That is to, to celebrate his return, to be glad that he is back with them. They're to welcome him with joy. And they're secondly, to honor people like him. Because here's an example of someone who has served at extraordinary cost to themselves. Paul says, honor that, welcome him and honor that and similar examples that you see. I wonder, um, how are the church supposed to welcome him back? What if they're going to have a big welcome home Epaphroditus uh, banner? What, what's it going to say on it? Well done for What? Because what, what, what has he actually done? He was sent out to serve Paul's needs, and yet he got ill, and Paul ended up having to look, look after him. Is, is, that a, is that a failure? No, it's not. Because even though the task wasn't completed, Epaphroditus was serving sacrificially. He was seeking to serve Christ's church, and even though he doesn't have very much to show for it at the end, Paul says, honor that, honor that costly sacrifice. And I just think that is, that is hugely um, freeing for us as we seek to serve one another. I mean, it's not so much about the results, about the task. It's about the attitude with which we seek to serve one another. It frees us and to have a go, even if we don't get it right all the time, even if we fail, even if we're a whole mix of motives. It gives us freedom to have a go at serving one another. I think as you, as you look around um, in the church family, you see so many examples of humble service. Um, it's, it's very easy, isn't it, to honor those up the front but what about those who, who genuinely um, serve sacrificially in a way that no one else will, will likely see? Those who, who give it a go, even when it doesn't always work out. So I was uh, thinking that the, the ones that um, popped into my head or struck me most particularly, um, particularly in this season, those who, who read one-to-one with um, a younger Christian who get the Bible out um, each week or each fortnight, um, and read with a, with a student um, or with a younger Christian. Nobody ever really sees that. Um, it happens away from church, happens all over the place. Uh, it's costly. Um, it's costly in terms of time, in terms of emotional investment. And yet it's so beneficial um, to those students or others who, who are the recipients of that time. 
never going to see it up the front, but it is sacrificial service. The other ones I thought of were um, uh, Sunday school leaders, particularly those who, um, who run the younger groups where my boys are. Um, so um, uh, Callum is three, so he's in Scramblers. Um, Scramblers leaders, Josh, Hannah, um, Alana, others are absolutely brilliant. Uh, week, uh, week after week, Callum's thing is that he loves um, screaming, okay? <laughs> he just, he gets so excited that he just loves screaming. Um, actually, he doesn't just scream. He screams and runs around um, screaming. Um, I, <laughs> it's annoying. And yet, and yet <laughs> um, I'm allowed to say that. Week after week, uh, the Scramblers leaders prepare uh, to teach him the Bible. And they learn ways to calm him down and get him sat down. And, and, and he comes home every week and tells me all about the, the story because they've worked hard um, and, and got up early on a Sunday morning uh, to come in when no one else will see and to teach him. Or um, not to leave out uh, Noah's, uh, what age is Noah, almost two. Um, so he's in tots. Um, so this morning, Joyce and uh, Rachel um, have to deal with him from the moment that I left the room, going, Daddy! Mummy! Daddy! Mummy! For about 20 minutes before they sent me a text, we're like, could you maybe come back? Um, no, no, it's not very happy. Again, that, that is, that's not a fun way um, to spend a Sunday morning with my screaming toddler. And yet they do it so that parents can have precious time uh, sitting, uh, hearing uh, from God's word. It is those sorts of examples that I think we're supposed to honor and hold up and say, this is Christ-like service. Let's all be a bit more like that. And so I think uh, the encouragement for me as I've thought about this passage is, is to seek to, what does it mean for me to honor those people apart from mentioning them by name in a sermon? Um, it, it means saying things like this. It means saying, I am thankful to God for you and for the way that you serve um, sacrificially, actually say that. Um, I, I'm encouraged because I see something in your service of Christ and the way that he serves. How do we, how do we honor um, uh, those in our small group who, who serve like this in our DGs? I wonder if thinking about it like this is helpful. What, what do we get more excited about um, in our small groups? Um, do we get more excited about a, a, a new promotion or a new flat? Or do we get excited by someone persevering in service week after week of turning up when actually it's really costly uh, to turn up? Of, uh, of serving others in a way that is costly, looking out for others. Because I guess what your small group needs, what we all need, what our church needs is, is not um, um, more impressive people, not people with more and more impressive gifts and skills, but it is people who will love one another, who will serve one another in a Christ-like way, even when that is costly. That is our pattern because it is what Christ has done. That's what we've been seeing all the way through Philippians 2. Being a Christian means being saved by Christ, being served by him as he stepped down to take on a human form and, and to become obedient to death 
to suffer death in your place, to pay for your sins. It means following after his example. And what a privilege it is to imitate him, to be called to imitate him and to grow more like him as we serve one another. Knowing that even if we mess up, even when we do mess up, even when we're a whole mix of motives, he has served us. Of course, that's not the end of his story, is it? Having served us, he was honored, exalted by God. Here's how Philippians 2 continues from verse 9. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Do we want to be more impressive, or do we want to grow in humbly serving others? You could rephrase the question, do we want to become more like those in the world that we admire, or do we want to become more like Christ? We want to be a church, don't we, that, that imitates more and more Christ and his service of us, that honors Jesus as we become more like him. And so this passage would call us to look to those examples, to imitate those who follow after him and to honor them, to say that is what real life is, to humbly serve, to give of yourself for others. That is what it means to be truly honored because it is what Christ has done for each one of us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, how we praise you for the Lord Jesus and the way that he has served us by stepping down and giving his life that we might live, that we might know forgiveness and joy, that we might have the privilege of becoming more like him. Father, please, as we see him more and more, would we long to be more like him? Would we see those examples of, of people around us who are uh, living like Christ in the way that they serve others? And would we long to imitate them, to be more like them and to honor them, to say that is life in all its fullness. Father, we pray that you would do that work uh, among us in the ordinariness of our relationships with one another, in the ordinariness of church life. Would we become more like Christ as we serve one another? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.